Well, today we're closing out our four-part series on I Want to Believe in God, But. And we've talked about, and really just obstacles that people have to faith because of something they've experienced or seen, uh, just hurdles to faith. And we talked about... um, We talked about the on-demand God, the God who does everything that I want. We talked about the goosebumps God, the God that I can feel and his evidence is physical all around me. We talked about the killjoy God, the God who uh, takes all of the fun and joy out of life. And these are all different uh, distortions of the true God. So they're uh, poor views of who God is or how we should expect him to act. And so really they're helping us to understand Uh, what God is really like. Now, today we're going to talk about the heartless God. And many people struggle in their faith because they don't understand how a good and loving God could allow so much pain and suffering and tragedy in the world. Or they look at their own life and the painful experiences that they have had to endure or grow, grow up under or face in life. And it causes them to struggle in their faith, even Christians, to fully believe and trust in God and in his goodness. And, you know, uh, you might be able to relate to some of this as well. For example, there was one individual who said, how can I believe in a God that just doesn't seem to care? And he went on to relate the story of how that he had grown up in church and was a person of faith. And, and when he got married and they, they had started their family, they had a son and then they had another son, and, but they really wanted a girl. And they kind of just set their hearts on having a girl And then when their little baby girl was born, uh, she was born with a severe congenital heart problem that required a very sensitive and complicated surgery. And so they prayed. They had gone to church. They were uh, people of faith. And they prayed. They asked the whole church to pray in special prayer for this surgery, for this procedure. But as uh, as it would be, she did not survive the, the, the surgery. And so their, their hearts were crushed and broken. And, and he came to the place where, how can I believe in a God that, that doesn't answer my prayers when I need him the most? And you know, my heart as a father goes out to a person like that because I think of my own daughters and we can understand how that could be a very difficult thing. And I'm sure that there are many of you here today that you've had your own moments like that at one time or another, or maybe, maybe even right now. You say, I'm praying, I'm I'm trying to believe, but there seems to be these things happening. How can I believe in a God that doesn't seem to care? Now, if you've ever felt that way, and I'm sure that you have or you will, will at some point in time, I can only say that you're in good company because the Psalms are full of Uh, people who struggled in their relationship with God. And they would cry out to God, God, why are you so so far from me? God, why are you not answering me? Why are you not hearing me? And not only the Psalms, but you think of the book of Job. And Job is like the epitome of hard times for a person who was a righteous person. We all know the story of Job and how God allowed everything of value and importance to him to be stripped away. He lost his, uh, all of his resources and economic uh, strength. 
He lost his own children. He lost his home. Then he lost his health as he developed these sores and boils all over him. It got so bad that eventually his own wife said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? So even the the people in your life that you look to for support and help in the most difficult times of life, they failed Job. Maybe they've failed you as well. So we, we can think of those things and it just seems like, you know, why uh, can someone be trying so hard and they're trying to do the right thing and they're, they're trying to be faithful to God and yet uh, these terrible, terrible things can happen? Well, why does God allow pain and suffering in our life? And if you think about that question, and, and, and you, you do need to think about this because this is, um, uh, you know, we, this is not an easy answer. This is not just, you know, I can put one Bible verse out there, you know, slap it on a, on a little box and wrap it all up with a pretty bow. And, you know, this is done, this whole matter of evil and suffering and pain and why God allows it. We can just push it aside. This is all neatly resolved in my heart and mind, and I can go on with my life. I would, I would challenge you that you have not thought deeply enough about this topic if you can dismiss it lightly or easily. I would also say that you probably haven't traveled very much. Because when you uh, get outside this country and you go to other parts of the world, places like the Dominican Republic where uh, people are trapped in poverty on sugarcane plantations, or you go to Guatemala where entire families live inside of a garbage dump, and family, hundreds of families live in a garbage dump, and you see uh, all of these people who are suffering the, the ravages of extreme poverty. They, they have uh, no medical care. They have no economic source of employment or work through no fault of their own. They don't have any of the dozens and dozens of basic services that you and I take for granted every single day, and they are trapped in that kind of a circumstance. My friend, that would cause anyone to reflect on the injustices and the suffering of this life in this world. And when we, people see that, and they often raise the philosophical question or the philosophical argument, how can there be a loving God, how can that kind of a God exist who allows so much evil and suffering in this world? You know, on, on the one hand, we can just turn that whole question around because Uh, In order to believe that there is good and evil in the world, in order to have some kind of standard of what is good and what is evil, and of course we all have that, we can all look at things and just say they're patently good. Uh, The love of a family, the, uh, you know, all good health, there's all kinds of things that are just patently, evidently good. And on the same hand, there are things that It doesn't take a rocket scientist. The most basic person among us could say, that is evil, that is bad. How do you make that judgment? There's only one way. There has to be some absolute moral standard. There has to be a lawgiver. So to even ask the question, how can a good and loving God allow evil to exist, assumes that there is a God, that there is a lawgiver, and and that uh, we can judge good and evil. And so you have to frame it a different way. You have to try to understand it a different way because the fact is there is a God. Now, so where do we go next with it? Well, we go to the very beginning. We go to the book of Genesis. We go to the, how God created the world. 
He created this world, and the Bible says in Genesis 1 and 2, he said that everything he created, it was all good. It was very good. But then something tragic and horrible happened. Because in this good environment that God created, he gave human beings a free will. He gave human beings the ability to choose to love and obey God, to, to love and, 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 and support each other, or to disobey and to rebel against God and to reject his love. He, he created a world where we have choice. We can make decisions for good and love, or we can make decisions for hatred and evil. And we all know what happened, right? Not just you and I have made poor choices, but Adam and Eve made the ultimate poor choice when they chose rebellion and they chose selfishness over a loving God. And so God creates human beings to love, but that uh, implies the ability to choose. And so we, we have a world where sin was chosen. And so uh, our own sin has brought the evil and suffering into this world. You think of Adam and Eve. Uh, of course, that brought the fall in Genesis 3 after the result of their choosing sin and choosing to rebel and choosing uh, not to love God as they should with all of their heart, mind, body, and soul. It says that, uh, you know, thorns and thistles were brought into the world. And that all of creation was subjected to frustration, the Bible says. And so uh, we consider that and we see that, um, that this was a part of the fall of man. We're gonna, I want to invite you to turn to a passage now that, that brings this out, in, uh, not just in the macro story of the world, but in uh, each individual one of our own personal stories of our lives. And that's Romans chapter 8. And we've, we've been looking at Romans 8 a lot. And I said before, it's one of the most important chapters in all of the Bible. And we're going to see that again right here. We're going to look in Romans chapter 8. We'll begin reading in verse, um, verse 18. And um, in this section, of course, uh, Romans, the last section, talks about... Uh, our sanctification and our glorification, ultimately, that uh, it acknowledges this present suffering in this life. But then it talks about a future glory that we will one day experience. But yet it assures us of God's faithful abiding love uh, while we go through this world of suffering. So here is the balance of this question, how can a good and loving God allow sin and evil to exist. And we, we see that resolved on some level. Again, there is no complete resolution to this question, okay? Not in our, not in our finite brains, not in this lifetime. So we have, to, we have to have the ability to live with tension in our understanding of God. That's why it's called faith. Faith means you will not get an answer to every question you have. And faith means that, that you do not need to be able to put God in a box or in a test tube in order for you, you to uh, fully frame God in your heart and mind. There, there, there's, sometimes we, 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 you know, in our mind, we want, to, we want an answer for every question. We want a category for every problem. We want this, this, and this. And, and we can't, you know, we, we have to be able to categorize it all. My friends, you cannot do that. 
That's why it's called faith. And, and we see that here. Let's read here in Romans 8, beginning in verse 18. And we'll read down through verse 25. It says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from bondage of corrupt, the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So what is the perseverance is part of the key of making it through this life, persevering in your faith in God and believing that that he is going to see us through all of the uh, the complexities of life that we cannot fully explain. And we see here that uh, the fall uh, came upon all of the world. And so God has placed us in a world that has pain and suffering. But we have to trust him in it, and we're going to look that he has a future prepared for us. Now, first of all, we already said that this pain and suffering is a result of Adam and Eve's sin. They brought this curse upon the world. And so we live with natural, natural tragedy where there are tsunamis and there are hurricanes and tornadoes and people suffer because of those things. We live in a world where there is sickness and disease that is indiscriminate oftentimes in the lives that it touches. But we also have to recognize that some of our suffering is not just because of Adam and Eve's sin. It's because of our own sins. The, 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 sometimes the suffering that we go through is because of our own poor choices. Because just like Adam and Eve, we have the ability to choose right or choose wrong, to choose love or to choose hate. So things like anger, our anger, our lust, our greed, our arrogance, our selfishness. And these are just some of the kinds of sins that result in relationships being broken or being tested and in some kind of unhappiness. We can bring it upon ourselves. Now, this is an important reality of life that we need. This causes us the reality that we can really make a mess out of things and that's going to hurt ourselves and other people around us, that reality should humble us. It should cause us to humble ourselves, that, to realize we don't have all the answers. We need outside help and wisdom in making better choices and wiser choices. And so that drives us to the very words of God, because God gives us a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And so the wise person will humble themselves and submit themselves to God's ways and God's teachings and allow his advice to guide and direct our lives. We, we submit. When I say humble, I say we submit our wills to God's will. And you know what? It's going to work out better. 
It just is. It's going to work out better in your family. It's going to work out better in your relationships. You're going to be a better person. You're going to make better decisions when you recognize your need for God's help in making wiser decisions based upon his counsel and not what you can think of, what you can figure out. So suffering can often be the result of our own poor choices. But then wait a minute. It wasn't just Adam and Eve. It's not just ourselves. But many times the suffering that we go through is because of the sins of others nearby to us. It can be from someone else's sin. For example, on a, on a, on a geopolitical level, war and political agendas. And you look at the starvation that's going on in the world because of all of the uh, bad distribution of wealth in the world. And, and you, you look at these things and you think something is wrong. Something needs to be fixed because of these uh, political dictators or selfish uh, national policies or whatever the case may be. This is a cause. But in the same way, individual suffering is often caused by someone else's sin. For example, adultery or theft or sexual abuse, or unloving parents, or a reckless or a drunk driver. These cause all kinds of pain and suffering in people around them. You, you uh, have the ability. Now, this is the problem. This is where the humility has to come into play, because uh, you can suffer because of a self-willed spouse. Uh, children can suffer because of bad parents. And, and you can end up suffering in life by, because of someone that you don't even know when you're involved in a terrible accident by a drunk driver. And, and so we have to realize that it's human activity. It's human sin that causes so much of the suffering that we see in this world. And, and, and this really causes us, um, as our passage says, it says in verse 22, for we know that all of creation groans, and we groan because something is wrong in the world. There is a brokenness to life, to the world. And this causes us to ask why. Pain and suffering shows us that something is wrong in the world. And, and, and God in his infinite wisdom allows uh, suffering in our lives to help us to see that something is not right. It was C.S. Lewis who said it this way. He said, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And you see, we, 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 we go through life, and, and if things are prosperous or things are good, and, and everything's kind of going hunky-dory, that's a Hebrew word that I just throw in there sometimes to my messages, to, you know, so that you guys, hunky-dory. Everything's going well, and we don't really think about God. People don't think about their relationship with God or eternity or things of more transcendence than just today and the blessings of today. But my friend, when, when life pulls the rug out from underneath you and, and, and you find yourself in an acute situation, then hopefully you will look up to God. 
and you will turn to him. And, you know, um, there's uh, people that are born. Uh, you, we think of pain, right? And we think of pain. Well, that's that's a bad, you know, physical pain. Well, physical pain is bad. No, actually, let's think about that for a minute. Because when you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and you your pain, your side is killing you. You're in acute pain. Pain. I mean, it's the kind of pain where you have to wake up your spouse and you say, honey, we got to go to the ER because I am dying right here. And at three in the morning, their pain is so intense that at three in the morning, you're looking for help and you go to the ER. And by 10 o'clock that morning, you're in surgery, having your appendix appendix removed because it's all infected. And if you didn't have that pain, if you didn't feel pain in that moment, then it would just rupture inside of you and you would get infected and die, right? So is pain bad or good? Pain serves a purpose in causing us to realize something is wrong that we need to do something about. You know, there's a a congenital uh, condition where a person from birth is insensitive to pain. They don't feel pain. It's called analgia. Analgia is like the inability to feel pain. You think, you know, you think that might be good, you know, not to feel pain. Well, no, if you step on a nail and you don't even feel it and your foot gets infected and all of the problems that come from that, from not being able to feel pain. Many times um, people are going on in their day-to-day lives And they really don't think about eternity. They don't think about God until the bottom drops out. And that can actually be a good thing. That can be the mercy of God in causing us to reflect on him and turn to him in those moments. So we see that the the cause of pain and suffering in the world is not a loving God. It was actually uh, sinful man that brought this upon the world. And we think of, we remember that Even though there is pain and suffering in this world, God still works through it. And he can work through pain and suffering to restore people's lives, to bring about uh, good and to bring them uh, even to him. So so um, even pain can lead us to God. And of course, um, you know, it's like the. There's this one story, and this story obviously does, there's no story or illustration. There's actually no one Bible verse that can fully resolve this matter in our minds, this side of eternity. But they can help. They can help. And sometimes we are not even in a position to judge what is good or what is bad or what good could come from it. And so it was like the one farmer who had, he had one son. He had one very poor farmer, one son, he had one horse and an ornery neighbor, right? And so one day his horse got away, got out and got lost. And and his neighbor came over kind of half gloating, saying, oh, yeah, uh, your horse got away. That's really bad. You know, I'm really sorry to hear about your horse getting away. You know, that's really a terrible thing to have happen. And he just looked at him. He says, you know what? I don't know everything. I don't know if that was good or bad. Four days later, the horse came back, but it brought ten, nine other horses with it. Nine wild horses came back with this horse, and he got all ten of the horses back in his corral. And, he, and his neighbor saw ten horses out there, and he, and he found, heard the story, and he said, Oh, that's great. That's a wonderful thing that you got. Now you got nine horses. Man, you're blessed. And the guy 
to say, well, I don't really know. You know, you never can't tell about life. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. A few days later, his son was trying to tame some of the horses, and he got thrown off the horse and broke his leg. So then it comes back to the neighbor again, right? And he says, oh, that's really bad. I'm really sorry to hear about your son. That's horrible that he broke his leg and, and you know, all bad luck and blah, 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 blah. And, he's, and the guy just said, he said, you know what? I really don't know. I don't know if that was good or bad. You know, you don't know everything in life. And uh, a, a, a few days later, a, a, a marauding band came through the area and kidnapped all of the strong young men. But because his son had a broken leg, they didn't take him. And the guy came back, the same story. But the point of the story is, is many times we, we, we're not equipped to understand all of the vicissitudes and the ups and downs of life. And so we ultimately, we have to trust God in so many of these things. Now, I want you to see uh, quickly. Um, you know, it's not just, um, I want you to see here that he talks about He talks about in verses 18 and 19 where we began, because this is this is the hope that we have as children of God. He says, when I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And he, he goes on, he talks about groaning, right? We groan under the sufferings of this life. But then he says, we eagerly wait for something so much better. We wait for a glory that outshines the sufferings of this life. And this is the hope that the children of God have. Now, the, the, the answer is this point that I'm making now. Now, this is, this is for the children of God. This is for the person who has come to a place in their life when they do believe in God. And they believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and they, and they turn to him as their savior and as their God, and they embrace him and they seek to live a life of obedience to God. And so they, they walk with him through life. And my friend, that changes everything. Again, it's all about choices. You can choose to stumble your way through life and figure it out yourself and the knocks and bruises and all of that. It's a free world. You can do that. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt others. Or you can choose to cling tightly to God, to, to try your best, and none of us are perfect, to try your best to follow his ways and walk that narrow path and lean on him and, and humble yourself and allow Him to, his grace to work in your heart and all of those things. And you know what? Life's still not going to be perfect. But you know what? It's going to be better. <laughs> it's going to be better. And then he says, wait a minute. He says, there's something even greater. There is a glory that awaits us. And, and, and there is a future that awaits us. And this is where I come to. This is where I land in this whole matter right here. That um, I'm going to believe in God. And I'm going to trust him. And, and, and I don't know what life's going to throw at me, and I don't know what part of it's good and what part of it's bad. I don't have the wisdom to figure all that out. All I know is that, that uh, this life is only temporary. This life is a very short time compared to all of eternity. 
And in this life, we're going to face all kinds. And you know what? As a child of God, I view them as assignments from God. These are things that God has placed in my path that he wants me to deal with the best that I can. And, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with it. And, and I'm going to try to honor him and please him and obey him in the midst of whatever mountain he's put in my path, whatever dark valley he calls you to go through, whatever pain and suffering life throws at you. You just do the best that you can. And, and listen, the, the Christian faith, life is all about pain and suffering. That's what life is about. The Christian faith, the symbol of Christianity is a tool of suffering. It is a cross. And Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That's what he said. And so there, there, there's, uh, you know, what is it? The only thing certain in life is death and taxes. Death and taxes and suffering. Suffering. And as a child of God, it's like Sonny Holland used to sing, Lord, what a mountain this time. This is in my path, and I've got to, it's rough, it's rugged, rugged, it's rocky, and I have to figure out a way to get over it. You just try to please God. You try to honor him. You try to do the right thing. You try to glorify him. And then he says, after you've done that, this life is just temporary. And then he says, one day, he's going he's gonna to take this world and this earth, and he's going to purge it of all sin and, and all suffering. He's going to set all of the wrongs right and one day you and I will, as children of God, we will find ourselves in, in the eternal kingdom and we will be there in the presence of our Savior. You know what? One day we're going to be gathered around enjoying the, the beauties of God's, God's eternal kingdom and all of the glory. He said there's a glory that cannot be compared. Now, I'm not minimizing that verse isn't minimizing the reality of your suffering. It's just saying that one day. You will be in God's presence. You will be in the riches and the glory and the, and the pleasures of his joy and his presence. And we'll be sitting around and we'll look at each other. And we'll say, hey, you remember that time that you battled cancer? Do you remember that time that drunk driver took your child? You remember that time when things didn't work out? And you'll think back and say, yeah, I remember that. Faintly, faintly, I remember something about that. But oh, my friend, it does not compare with all of the glory that we will enjoy for all of eternity. Oh, my friend, you have to trust in God. You have to look to him. You, we need to commit our lives to living for him and choosing his ways. And all of the rest, all of the rest is details. And he will give us the strength and he will give us the hope and he will give us the courage. He said in Romans 8, he said, if he gave us his own son, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? Everything that you and I need to live a life of godliness. He has given to us. So it, 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 it falls upon us 
to love him and to commit ourselves to him and to seek to follow him. In the parts of life that we don't understand, we won't understand. He doesn't ask us to understand. He just asks us to be faithful. And I encourage you in that today. Let's bow together for prayer. Just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Just in a moment of of prayer and reflection, you know, I think about the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he suffered when he died on the cross to pay for our sins. He prayed for God to deliver him. He said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Three times he prayed. And then finally, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Well, my friend, he is that great high priest, that savior who understands exactly what you may be going through. He went through all of the same kinds of disappointments and pain and difficulties of this life. He went through all of the same kinds of things that you and I go through. And that's why Hebrews can say that he is the perfect high priest because he understands our weaknesses. He understands the things that we go through. He went through all of them, yet without sin. Just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, will you worship him today? As we prepare our hearts to remember him in this time of communion, I encourage you right now to make your heart right with him just to make your heart right with him. Anything in your life that you would just confess it. I'm sure the Holy Spirit right now, he is so faithful to um, speak to us. He can show us right now anything that he brings to your mind that you need to confess. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Dear Heavenly Father, we we open our hearts to you today and ask that your Holy Spirit would examine us and speak to us. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, confessing that we love you. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. We ask you again and anew that your grace and your mercy would wash over our lives, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to open the the packet there and the the clear cellophane peels away where you can um, access the bread wafer. And of course, the bread uh, reminds us of the body of our Lord. The Bible says that He bore in his own body our sins on the tree, on the cross. His body lay there broken and torn open. His hands and his feet nailed to that cross. The spear that was thrust into his side. The crown of thorns that was placed harshly down upon his brow. His body was broken for your sins and my sins. And he endured the greatest suffering of all because he was the eternal 
Son of God who was so unjustly treated and he bore the sins of all of humanity. On that night before, he was gathered with his, his closest followers in the upper room and he took bread and he broke it, just like his body would be broken. He broke that bread and he gave it to them. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. You may eat the bread. If you'll take the juice there and carefully remove the foil tab, it can be difficult to remove. You want to try not to spill. And of course, it reveals the grape juice, which is a picture of Christ's blood. The Bible says that he was the, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And of course, the lambs were, were sacrificed. And Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so in God's plan of redemption, it required that innocent blood be shed. And when Christ's precious blood, Peter calls it, he calls it precious blood. And he shed that blood for your sins and for my sins. And that is where we find redemption. Well, my friend, we're not accepted by God because we're a good person or be, we've done lots of good things. That doesn't even help. We're accepted by God for one and only one reason. Because the Lord Jesus Christ came down to be the perfect sacrifice and he shed his blood and died in your place to take your punishment. And then he rose again. And because God accepted Christ's sacrifice, he can accept you and forgive you if you will trust in him and turn to him. We must never forget that. And this blood, not only does it remind us of God's plan of salvation, this juice, but it reminds us of Christ's love for you and I. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On that night, he also gave the cup to his followers, followers and he said, as often as you drink this cup, drink it in remembrance of me. You may drink the cup. Would you bow with me for prayer? Just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you worship him right now? Would you worship your Savior, Jesus Christ? Can you give him thanks right now? That gratitude and thanksgiving would flow out of your heart to the very throne of God. Just say praise. Say thanks to Him. Love Him right now. Oh, precious Father, today we remember that in the midst of our suffering, You are with us and You are working in ways that we cannot comprehend, that You take ashes and You turn it into beauty as only you can. Father God, we pray today for, for faith, that we would have faith to be faithful in all of the difficult moments of life, that we would 
strive to be faithful by your grace. And today, dear God, we are reminded that our Savior tasted death for each one of us. That he, as our example, suffered. And then in this life, we will walk in a path of suffering. Father God, we pray for your strength and your help. And Father God, we look forward eagerly to that day when such overwhelming glory 